Hello and welcome to the Animation Communication Podcast, your source for discussion about animation, film, fandom, and more. So please join your host, I Love Kim Possible a Lot, or KP, and Lauren Kizich, the Abbey Roadie, for today's discussion. If you like what you hear, please remember to support by giving a like, a follow, as well as subscribing to the main I Love Kim Possible a Lot channel on YouTube. Spread the word and keep being a part of a great community. This episode contains some mild adult language. Hi everyone, welcome to the animation communication episode that was supposed to be in February for Black History Month, but that didn't happen because scheduling. (laughs) And we had a few uh, no-show guests, so we were like, well, I guess we're not having an episode this week, so that's why like the, the order's been a little bit out of order if you're like, the two people that like watch it or listen to it every week. But anyway, this is what happens when you try to multi when you try to multi schedule multiple guests and then <laughs> trying to juggle all that. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, just just generally, if you're if you ever get asked to be a guest on a podcast, like you know, just show up like a little early in case something goes wrong because there's like a ninety five percent chance something will go wrong, and then Lauren and I cry like in the background. It's fine, you know, it's fine. I'm not obviously I'm not gonna At least you know. <laughs> yeah, at least at least today, no, everybody was totally fine. So that's it's it's all good. Uh, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, I'm I'm glad we were finally able to get everybody together today. So yay! We rounded all the people. All right, so um, <laughs> we're no news because we have um, we have a roundtable discussion thingy about. So there's just too many people to do news. Um, yeah, yeah. This is the our first podcast with like we have three new guests with us today. So. Um, yeah, um, and then we're just going to ask some general, like, why are you a creator? Like, what's up kind of questions. But hopefully um, we'll have some natural points of discussion um, that's not just like, hey, how's it like being an African-American? Because, like, that's a weird, like, you know. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> like, we were trying to word it like, like, was a good question to ask about black culture? That's not just, like, very, like, you know awkward in the phrasing so hopefully the the discussion will be actually pretty good so um i guess we can start to from sketchy and go from right to left as far as why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell people what you do um we have two youtubers and one artist person lady so all right uh well uh what's cracking everybody uh i'm sketchy the changeling also known as sketchy bug uh i'm both a youtuber and an artist i you know i do both Oh, okay. Uh, YouTube, yeah. Uh, I didn't know YouTube. that. YouTube, oh, surprise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So like, uh, people, a lot of people know me from YouTube, and then I was always an artist. But as my work evolved, I started to build my own presence as an artist. So now there are people that know me as an artist and don't know me as a YouTuber, like on some Hannah Montana shit. <laughs> so it's the best of both worlds. Ooh, throwback. So, Lauren, go sit yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I do uh, art and YouTube. Uh, and, you know, I'm just out here vibing, you know. Uh, I'm able to live off my work, which not a lot of artists are able to do. And, you know, I'm just here being uh, a black man with opinions and time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, Adam, why don't we go to you next? Okay, cool. Uh, my name, well, my real name's Adam, but, uh, for the sake oh, if of- Oh, if we want, if we want to cut that, we can cut that. So if you're, like, not comfortable with it, we can, like- 
Oh, no, it's cool. It's cool. Thank okay, you. I wanted to make sure, you know, because some people okay. are like, you expose my mortal name to the masses. I have to hide. <laughs> Hi. Okay, hello. Hi. Uh, my name is Adam, but you can call me Cash Cash. Um, I'm 22. I'm in Brooklyn, and I am also a YouTuber and artist at the same time. Um, I'm definitely... I'm definitely on the small side of the spectrum, honestly, but that, that's fine. Um, currently, I'm trying to get better at character design. Um, in terms of YouTube, um, a lot of my stuff leans more into um, the whole like animation review section of you no know, that corner of YouTube. Mm -hmm. But no, I I do videos at anything honestly. Like I just love uh, nerd culture, um, and you know. Like, I, I just, like, definitely have, like, really big aspirations of one day getting into industry, and last year just, like, really um, kicked down to high gear. But since I'm currently on my last semester of college, I don't have a lot of time to YouTube or art. But, you know, I'm just <laughs> vibing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, same boat, but, like, COVID happened, so, you know, yeah. you try not to beat <laughs> yourself up about it. <laughs> <laughs> And you're in good company. You're in the right place to talk nerd stuff. So, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> That's the common rate denominator, I guess. I was going to be like ratio. I'm like, is that the right math term? I'm too gay know. to know what math <laughs> is. So. <laughs> what is math? The mood? I took one. I took a couple math classes in college, and then like removed it from my brain because I'm like, That's, this is it. I don't ever have to count again. I'm done. So once I was done, I was done. Yeah, oh, man. I specifically I took. I I'm checked out. I'm good. <laughs> I specifically took my major because it had like no math in it at all. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to stay in that toxic relationship. I need to walk better for Okay, I'm Carousel. Why don't you? Oh yeah, yourself? sure. I'll go ahead now. Not the, like I have a choice of the last one. Uh, okay, I'm Miranda, uh, but everyone knows me as Carousel. Carousel Unique. Uh, I'm an artist in the fandom. I'm pretty uh, lower to mid tier, but I have friends in high places, which is why I'm here. Um, I'm also a New York based college artist. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling the truth. I'm also a, I'm also a New York based college artist and uh, just trying to exist on the internet, which is a, a very scary prospect. But uh, I'm doing my best so far. I haven't gotten into any major controversies yet, so you know, just. Keep, just got the just got the board yeah, up there that yeah. says how many days until controversy, and I'm just every day I can add a number and not subtract it. It's good for good by me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'll add a little like like side side like um, ramble before we get into the topic. So um, back when I did pony stuff, I would ask random people on DeviantArt to do thumbnail art. Me thinking like, oh, it's fun, you know, like someone who might not get to do this normally would like get like, you know, something to do. But then like, I don't do that anymore because people would take it the wrong way. Like not knowing we were that not, not knowing we were nonprofit would be like, oh, she just doesn't want to pay people for art. So like Carousel was one of the thumbnails yeah. for like um, uh, a while ago, I think it was like honest. It's the one where it's the, the My Little Pony episode where they're all young and Big Mac cocks the lot and they go to like the horse hospital. I don't know. Yeah, I remember. Oh, I remember where the already. apple lies. Yeah, where they where they turn the the glue factory. So um, <laughs> she was she was one of the cool ones that I remember. Like as I'm kind of like moving on to different things, there's some people who are like, "Oh, I did thumbnail art for you," and like you're neat. I'm like, "Yay!" Not everyone hates me. I Yay. had a good working so, experience yeah. with you. 
Yeah, there was actually one time where I got messaged by KP to do thumbnail art, but this was years ago. Oh yeah, and my art wasn't all that. Ba- my art wasn't all that back then. So plus, I was like, I had a lot of other stuff to do at the time. So the only reason why I declined was because of time constraints. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't really care. Like that's that's cool. That's fine. Like I want. Like I still want people to like if they want to volunteer, like do whatever their own fruition and like you know think about what they they're getting out of it and not just like doing it because I asked. You know that always makes mm-hmm. me feel slimy. So you know. Nope. Right. Okay, Lauren, you're you're the question lady. So why don't you start <laughs> asking the questions? <laughs> all right i guess we'll we'll start with a very a, a very general question for all of you and you can go around it doesn't matter which order um but what inspired you to pursue art slash animation what was probably maybe your earliest inspiration just to give you your start okay uh i guess we'll just go in the order that we introduced ourselves um what inspired me to get into art honestly i've been into art for as long as i can remember like my earliest exposure to the idea of, oh, I can draw things is, believe it or not, watching Blue's Clues as a kid. <laughs> you know, like whenever Steve would, would find the clues and draw them, it's like, you, uh, you yeah. can make pictures with crayons. <laughs> Word? Say less. <laughs> like, so, yeah, like, I, like, if there was a Blue's Clues fandom, I was in it. <laughs> like, I had the. Oh, there still and, is to this day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like, this was like 1990, whatever. So yeah. it's like uh, I had the uh, the inflatable thinking chair. I had like my own handy dandy oh, notebooks, yeah. and I had the lunch boxes. My mom was a school teacher, so I had a bunch of Blue's uh, Clues computer games. Like I was, I was in oh. it. In. Oh yeah, I rocked those computer games. Don't get me started. Uh, <laughs> I ordered some off of eBay just to play them on stream a couple of years back, and that was fun. Um, but yeah, um, that's what that's what got me into it. And then like I think it was around grade school, like third or fourth grade, where I started drawing comics of my favorite cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. And then around high school, I started making my own original stories. And then I was like, you know what? I actually do want to go to art school. And uh, I had went to a art focused school in New York for my last two years of high school. And went to college in Atlanta, got my degree in animation, and here I am. Did you go to SCAD? I I applied. It was my top choice, but and I did get accepted, but uh, <laughs> it was expensive. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I, that's I. I also did the same thing. Like even with scholarship, it's still like expensive. Yeah. Just, like, so I ended up, I ended up going to the Art Institute of Atlanta, and uh, hmm. you know, there, there there were pros and cons. I definitely wouldn't trade my experience because I met a lot of really cool people and I and I liked a lot of my professors and I made the most of it. So I, mm-hmm. I as much as I would have like I, I would like to wonder what it would have been like if I went to SCAD. I don't think I would want to exchange it for the people that I met at, at AIA. Yeah, that's that's yeah. fair. Yeah. Um. Basically, if you don't like a lot of the art schools in America are like scams like low-key a little bit like there there's these huge like they like scad for instance i think it's like 100k for us for a degree or something like that something crazy (sighs) so you know you trade like your soul to get an art degree and like also the thing that i've learned like especially like especially for schools like scad like they don't exactly care if you're a good artist as well like they just want you to be able to foot the bill so um 
Mm-hmm. I took a dual um, dual enrollment class in SCAD like when I was in college, and there were like some bad artists, and I was like, oh no, you're paying a hundred k to like get slightly better, but still not employable. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. fams. Yeah, part <laughs> of the reason why I'm not too upset about not getting into SCAD is because like I think like about. It was sometime after I had graduated and gotten got my own apartment. It was when a it was a big article that was published by a former student about like mental health, and apparently like the workload is crazy is crazy oh, yeah. there and yeah, over there like article. yeah yeah over there um SCAD apparently stands for sleep comes <laughs> after death oh, oh god. god. Oh. <laughs> Like look it up. Like it's like it sounds like I'm lying, but I'm not. No, I I, I wouldn't I, I I wouldn't doubt it. I, it kind of it, it makes me wonder if that's kind of like the same situation with uh, with uh, Cal Arts because that's what I wonder because it's so mm-hmm. art focused because it's technically an art institute yeah. when you think about it. It's so heavily focused on just that versus like a university which is you know covers all the subjects and then mm-hmm. you can have your major. Yeah. <laughs> so, Moral of the podcast is don't go to SCAD. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Next up on our guest list, we have a person from SCAD. <laughs> we're, we're, hi, we're a new podcast. Welcome to our first episode. It's fine. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, uh, who else, who else would like me. to go? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's my turn. Okay. Um... So, in terms of my, like, artistic origin, so to speak, um, well, as expected, um, I've always, like, grown up with, like, a bunch of cartoons. I was always, like, making little, like, scribbles, um, like, for as long as I've, like, been around, honestly. Um, but if I remember anything, um, when I came up to New York, um, in 2004, um, that's when... Like, that's when I was able to catch Kablam, like, through reruns, and still, like, one of my favorite shows to this mm. day, um, because, um, because of the fact that, like, it's just got, like, a bunch of, like, different art styles for each of its segments, and especially, like, the whole main, uh, Henry and Junior shorts by Mark Merrick. The main thing that I had liked about, um, you know, the, the Henry and Junior shorts that Mark Merrick did, uh, was because it was, like, you know, everything about it was just, like, a whole just different approach to art and animation. And it's like, hey, you don't need to draw um, a specific style in order to be good. You know, it's more about expressing yourself. So, like, over mm. over years, over that time, you know, there are a lot of these, like, bumpers and stuff. You know, especially the ones in Nickelodeon, like, the mid to late 2000s, where they actually, like, showed the creators, like, drawing and storyboarding behind the scenes. They used to love stuff like that. So that's what really got, like, the noggin just, like, jogging between that and just being a young kid to Sonic Phantom. <laughs> and um, it was while I was in high school, um, that's when CV Universe hit me big, and I was really into that community as well. Um, and that's when I learned, like, a bit more of the technical side things, too. Like, Tumblr having a lot of crew blogs for shows, so I had, like, a pretty basic knowledge, but still, like, some sort of knowledge about stuff like, you know, like, uh, boarding guides and, like, going, like, model sheets and all that stuff, and just between that and now, I've been able to just, like, network with, you know, a bunch of, like, other artists and stuff, uh, and I'm 
definitely not in college for an art major, I can tell you that much, but again, like, I definitely aspire to, like, someday be an industry myself, and I think I'm on the right track. That's good. Yeah, I think it's it's uh it's cool that there's not one singular way to to go where you need to go and be where you need to be. It's it's especially in just like I think if anything even like the pandemic has even shown us that that as long as everything adapts there's like new ways to be able to be successful, especially in a in a, a digital era. Right. Where you, it's just like the world is just smaller and it's just easier to connect. Mm-hmm. So I don't Right. I don't know if anyone else uh, can relate, but, like, my personal experience is, like, um, like, I wasn't, like, the best artist, uh, like, in my classes, years or not, not by a long shot, but, um, whenever, like, I had, like, an old classmate, like, catch up with me, they were, like, actually, like, surprised that, like, I was an art major. It got to the point when, even when I was doing my first internship, which is, like, a community like, community service type of thing at a local dayhab, um, even they were like, you know what, you're good here, but you should really be in this art thing. Like, everyone was telling me that. So it's like, you know, I, I got to, like, take the hint, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, How about you, Kara? Sorry, I was about to sneeze. Uh, okay. So uh, my <laughs> artist origin story which is basically my supervillain origin story, uh, is that... <laughs> uh, so yeah, my supervillain origin story for art is that I was not a very popular child in school, so I was often left to my own devices. And um, I would just draw because I had undiagnosed ADHD and a lot of free time on my hands at recess and not getting played with. So, you know, just... Um, I mean, doodling came naturally. I like my fellow company here. I too grew up loving cartoons and Blue's Clues, and everything about and everything about Mm -hmm. watching cartoons made me feel better when I was alone. And uh, uh, I didn't actually mean to go into art properly. I mean, I drew Warrior Cats art, which is so embarrassing, but I own it. I drew a lot of Warrior Cats (laughs) art and uh, eventually got into My Little Pony. But I went to high school for uh, performing arts, actually. I have have theater training and I have a performing arts degree. Uh, In theory, I could have gone to college for that. But Mm. I just, over the course of my high school experience, uh, I just found myself more and more invested in trying out different art techniques uh and such mostly as a distraction from how awful that school was shout out to repertory uh but it was a very it was a very awful uh, very unprofessional school environment so i was often left to my own devices in school and in classes so i would do a lot of drawing to compensate for that uh when they would set us up to do rosetta stone instead of actually teaching us spanish like you know teachers do uh, I I basically oh. just breezed through Rosetta Stone and then spent time on MS Paint, impressing my classmates with honestly very mediocre art at the time, but it was very it was very good to practice. Uh, I got an art award from my school at graduation, even though it is not an art school. They just gave it to me because so you draw, um, and I did. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. You need to look so fancy. we give you an award so that you have something to do at graduation. Because God forbid we ever give you a singing solo. <laughs> um, so I got an art award in college and uh, before college. <laughs> and then within college, I was going to do music. And then the ADHD kicked up a notch and I could, and I found I couldn't focus on music theory as well as I wanted to. And I was just like, it's more of a hobby at this point. And art just became something that it was always a comfort for me. So studying it in college, while a bit of a scary prospect, because everyone tells you art doesn't go anywhere, it was just something I really felt invested in pursuing further. And now I'm getting my degree in studio art. It's taking forever, but I'm doing it because it's something that I care about. And while I do that, I also draw cartoon pictures for the internet occasionally and get money for it, which is good because college is expensive. Most of my uh, most of my Patreon yeah. money and most of my commission money <laughs> yeah. goes towards uh, taking care of stuff for college and taking care of any expenses that might come up. And uh, I'm incredibly grateful that uh, that I have a mother who helps me pay for my tuition but you know you can only go so far with you know relying on other people to do that stuff for you so i'm glad that i have art as a means to right. uh supplement mm -hmm. any expenses and it's also just fun i've made a lot of friends present company included so it's just been really nice yay oh. <laughs> Yeah, don't even That's feel bad about being in the uh, Warrior Cats fandom because before I got into MLP, I was into Alvin and the Chipmunks. So don't even. I'm glad you know my struggle. <laughs> I like I the live action like, movies. I feel like there's all these. I feel like there's all these shared roads that lead to My Little Pony and then divert out into similar directions. Like I feel like, it, to a degree, it was like, you know, some people were Warrior Cats or they were uh, some other fandom. There's sometimes even like a. Some people were like Care Bears or Littlest Pet Shop or anything like that. And then My Little Pony happened. Okay, let's all converge here. And then My Little Pony ended. <laughs> okay, we div we go back out into Warrior Cats or into, into furry fandom stuff. Or we go <laughs> like, I think it's what they all said. It was like, uh, what was it? Bronies just turned into furries after <laughs> after the show ended. Nah, I'm like, I, I, I mean, I the Venn diagram between bronies and furries. I was going to say, I'm <laughs> like, I don't think it was a turn into. I think it was just they were one all along. So, I mean. <laughs> I, I knew about that before I knew about bronies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a flat circle. It just—it's just. One came like first, the brony or the furry. <laughs> Welcome to yeah. our podcast, where the conversation are furries, bronies, or vice versa, or the same. <laughs> it's all—it's all furries. Uh, always has been. To male, to all furries. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Adam. He's probably afraid. <laughs> <laughs> like touched on it a little bit in uh in in your inspirations of growing up like what inspired you to pursue your craft uh what were maybe some like other uh some other creative inspirations be it a person or or a character or anybody that maybe influenced your style or your storytelling or your anything like that uh it's hard to say because for me i draw inspiration from like so many different things like my approach to like inspiration is that if i see something i like from if i see something i that that i like from something that i'm watching 
and I think it'll work for what I want to do, then I'll try it. Like, even now, as an artist, seeing other artists do their work, and I'll be like, oh, huh, I kind of like how that artist draws noses. I'm going to see how that looks in my style. Or I like the way this artist uh, does their shading. I'm going to see if I can replicate that. And it's like, I spend my entire life Frankensteining all the cool things that I liked into something that I can call my own. And I feel like, mm-hmm. as far as my art is concerned, I don't think I really... I feel like it, it takes a while for you to actually develop a style of your own. And I feel, personally, that mine didn't start to show until, like, I want to say 2018. Mm-hmm. And that just goes to show you how, how long of a process it is. But it, it, it's, a, it's a fun process if you take it for what it is, though. Mm-hmm. So I, I get expi- I, I'm inspired by any, anything and everything. Yeah, no, that's that's totally justifiable considering it's like, I mean, you, you never know. It's just whatever hits you, you know? Yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, if it makes anyone feel better, like every time, like all throughout high school, my dad was like, I don't know, your art's kind of questionable. Like, I don't know if you want to do this professionally. And it took like, probably like until like my senior or junior of college where he was like, oh, wow, you can actually art. I'm like... Yeah, Dad. Thanks for noticing, Dad. So he's just like, "Oh, imagine what we could do if like you were in school earlier." And I'm like, mm. "Yeah, Dad. Thanks. Thanks for your 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 art education that I didn't get that I've had to yeah. kind of like catch along with and stuff." So luckily, I have Lauren, who's just like, "Lauren, is this good?" And then she's just like, "That's okay." And I'm like, "Okay, gotta redo it." So <laughs> yeah, I kind of went through a similar thing where like uh i did i didn't have as much resistance like my dad was very supportive but there there was a a little bit of resistance from my mom not because she didn't believe in me but rather uh she was she was very concerned about how viable uh art is as a as a career right. and you know mm-hmm. you know her her being you know she she worries about me a lot especially as a child when I was growing up, like, uh, being, like, the, the awkward, weird kid. So when I was younger, one thing that she would always worry about is how self-sufficient I would be once I was out on my own. And, if like, it didn't take long for her to see just how much I could do with what I had. And the more time went on, the more she realized that I was able to, you know, make something of myself Mm. not that she ever doubted me but you know mom's worry yeah yeah of course anyone else want to add to that before we move on oh um are we still gonna talk about creative inspirations or yeah 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 oh okay okay just 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 want to double check um well well first if i can say like um that experience i can definitely relate to like almost to a t um, except for the fact that um, my mom really wanted me to, and she still does, wants me to like pursue some sort of quote unquote normal career because she's still kind of like iffy on the idea of like having art even as a side hustle, even though I've had like multiple people tell me, you know, that I should 
you know, I should be like pursuing this, you know, and I know for a fact that if I even got like more support and like public school, um, like I'd probably have like more skill because I wasn't really like raised thinking like I could do it when I grew up. Mm. So now I'm just kind of like, uh, taking things into my own because, you know, all with, with COVID and everything, you know, the, the sustainability of what my would be career would be is kind of up in the air <laughs> so i'm like hey you know like why not uh see if i can at the very least do some commissions on the side when i graduate um but when it comes to actual creative inspirations um a big one uh for me would be a uh, ian jones cordy um i had actually like when i was young like i want to say like the like the latter half of the 2000s like I end up finding just, like, a lot of his old, like, Flash Ambience on YouTube, like, Knockforce, and, like, I was just, like, really inspired by it, and, you know, it was just cool that, you know, just have, like, someone that, you know, looked like me and, you know, had a lot of, like, my nerdy interests, you know, just, like, working on cartoons, you know, even though I was way too young to see Venture Brothers, but, you know, he was still <laughs> making cartoons. That's something that I wanted to do. It's exactly mm-hmm. why... Um, when I found that he was on Steven Universe and when he later got OKKO, which was like years after it got like its own pilot, you know, that's when it, you know, it just like resonated with me like that much more because like, um, OKKO through everything that it is, it's just like a, just a passion project, you know, it's unapologetically nerdy and dorky mm-hmm. and, you know, it's, it's for nerds in DNA to just be a love letter to love nerd culture. And it's just, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's just a really heartfelt story about coming to one's own. And that's why, like, it's forever going to be, like, one of my favorite cartoons, like, right next to um, CV Universe. And Ian himself is, you know, one of my biggest inspirations. Yeah, I, I love when you can, when you have, especially... Uh, when you have stories that are that impactful, that's when you find, like, even if it's not always the visual inspiration, it's, like, the stories that inspire. Right. And, and I think that, and sometimes that even, you know, comes across in the visual storytelling, uh, actually quite often, because it's like, okay, that it's like, I couldn't, it's almost like you couldn't tell the story any other way or in any other format because it's like, it, it wouldn't hit the same. And... I'm so I always love to hear how so many people different people are are inspired in different ways by different media uh because it's just like it's a little piece of themselves that you kind of get a little glimpse into yeah so uh yeah it's just like seeing the effect of uh Steven Universe and how deeply it affected other people I like the I like that that okay KO was so inspirational to you as well uh and uh in hearing how it affected you and and just seeing that there's like a huge it's so yeah so many people don't they 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 jump on the bandwagon of not understanding media they jump immediately onto seeing like a thumbnail and then they don't bother checking past it right so i like to hear when people check out and actually get invested in a show and go no 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 you gotta you gotta see this and believe it for yourself like don't sleep on it (laughs) yes yes exactly and of course since you bought the universe um of course, that show was, like, hugely inspirational to me as well. Um, it hit 
right when I was in high school. So that's when I was in my most like, you know, like most like aspirational, like art wise. Meanwhile, like when OKKO mm-hmm. dropped, like I was like I was like just beginning college, but still like both important aspects of my life. But I remember it got to the point when um, I actually, <laughs> and I know this story is going to sound a bit far fetched, but at the time, my mom, uh, one of her college friends actually knew someone who worked at Turner. So I was actually able to get like a full like framed autograph poster uh, from Rebecca and a couple of the voice actors. And I remember it came. Nice. Yes. And it came like right around my birthday, which was also right around the time when it when the show had come back from one of its many hiatuses. So like everything just, you know, it just like fell on the right time. And I just felt like a huge amount of confidence boosting just because of the fact that I have that. Yeah, that's dope. That is that is really cool. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, Steven Universe is also one of uh, my inspirations, as as reluctant I am to admit that. I, I mean, I still love <laughs> the show for all its faults. Don't tell Lily. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I still love the show <laughs> so much, despite how much obje- like objective wrong there is with the show. It did inspire a lot of the style I have as it exists now in terms of coloring. Uh, the rest of it is was obviously inspired heavily by Equestria Girls because I'm still on that brain rot years later, and um, <laughs> and I love children's books. So uh, as time goes on, I try to um, I try to incorporate more of uh, that sort of soft children's book style because uh, if as uh, if a digital career doesn't work out, I'd really love to get into the uh, illustration uh, as side of art and. Uh, storytelling mm-hmm. i'd love to make children's books that's that's my dream i mean i love animation but i don't know how to make things move with my brain so drawing is more <laughs> my is it's more it's not that hard it just you, you just takes practice to kind of like remember all the things that you got to do so yeah i mean i'll definitely give it an attempt to learn especially now that i'm t- going towards the uh, expertise end of my degree getting now that i'm done with all the you know, the Gen Spanish X. class. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm very excited to go into the uh, the meat and potatoes of getting my degree. Uh, but yeah, uh, just children's books was uh, were always a big inspiration for me, art wise, and then also colors like Stephen Universe and all those other whimsical little shows that came out in the 2010s, and then Equestria Girls, which to this day still brain rot, still proud of it. <laughs> I feel like it's funny that the way Equestria Girls uh, came about, and it's just seeing where it came, you know, it started from where everybody's going, oh, no, they turned them into humans. This is like, you know, the show's going downhill, the series is going downhill. And then meanwhile, it's like it was actually a series that only got better and better as as time went on and actually got, like, really intense. And I'm like... This started out as just like you know, like the Monster High cash and kind of line, really. But yeah. the, but they, but because you had a bunch of passionate people working on the stories for it and trying to make it work, and they did. I think that's just like so cool that they yeah. were. I think and so different about when My Little Pony came about and had the direction from Lauren Faust, you know, to launch it, right? Um, to become something entirely new. 
and not just about selling toys, even if that was its purpose in creation and was the purpose of its original creation from way back in the 80s. Um, it it did go that direction of saying, we're going to make sure we have a good story first and great characters first, and then the toys come after. But um, but yeah, it was... I, I, I love hearing these kinds of things like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like to avoid, going, to, avo- to avoid going too much on a tangent, like I, it always baffled me, like the criticism for Equestria Girls, because it was like... It was always about like how uh, it's uh, supposedly a cash grab to tell, to sell toys, and I'm like, dog, you realize what show we're watching, right? Yeah. A show made to <laughs> oh, sell definitely. toys that ain't even for us. Like, why? Like, why are you surprised? And why can't you just like wait and see what it is? And like, yeah, the first film was rough, but clearly, mm-hmm. clearly, it it improved with time. So mm-hmm. that's why I never. I'm actually nostalgic thing, like, for the first film. Like and, and you know, people always want to find reasons to say that the show was going downhill. Like y'all, y'all remember Twilight Corn? I don't have to remind you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when that when yeah, that whole thing that came down, I think that was when I got into the show. Was mm. when people were were losing their minds over Twilight Corn. <laughs> Oh, the what essays. an introduction to this I'm show. Sketchy. Can you I'm translate like... for people that aren't bronies about like what we're talking about real quick? <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. So, sure, sure, sure. All right. So sure. the the lead character of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic is Twilight Sparkle. Uh, in My Little Pony, there are four types of ponies. Unicorns, Pegasi, Earth Ponies, and then like Alicorns, which have the gifts of all three. The physical strength, the flight, and the horn and magic and stuff, right? So... Uh, Twilight Sparkle starts out the series as a unicorn, and she's a student of the princess, who's an alicorn. And she has a little character arc, and by the end of season three, she ascends and becomes a princess herself, and she gets wings. And people, especially since um we didn't know whether or not this was going to be the final episode of the show, because season four hadn't been confirmed yet, a lot of people thought that this was a bad idea, like, making twilight too special or th- mm. there was a there was a bunch of different reasons like some people thought it made twilight a mary sue whatever that means this week mm-hmm. uh-huh. some people thought it made her too special <laughs> some people thought it went against lauren faust's vision of there only being two alicorns even though she no longer works on the show and therefore her opinions are irrelevant uh <laughs> like all, so, all love to lauren, so faust. lauren faust said she was she always intended for print for for twilight to basically become a princess at the end i guess it was just not a matter of you know, it being almost like playing that card too soon that people didn't know. I'm yeah, like, all love to Lauren Faust, all respect to her. But, like, people need to stop kind of just, like, going like, oh, this is not what the original creator wanted when the original creator isn't on the show anymore, especially mm-hmm. if they left of their own volition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, Lauren Faust isn't Bonnie Zachary. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was for me specifically. So I love I uh, speaking to inspirations again real quick before we move on because we're on this topic a lot. Uh, uh, MLP as a whole, as all of the de- generations are, are a heavy inspiration for me. So whenever I hear people going, uh, Lauren Faust wouldn't have wanted this. It was not the original. Ger-. I'm like, she's not even the original creator. That's Bonnie. And you guys don't respect her. So, like, you know, maybe shut up. Maybe shut up. Uh, uh, team My Little Pony Tales for Life. Anyway, um, the show was never better than when it was inspired by My Little Pony Tales. Okay, um, anyway, let me 
That's the hottest take of the night. Yeah, like, they, they only care about the original intent of whoever made whatever generation they came in. Yeah. Not realizing that it has je- decades of history and generations. And, it's like, with, with, a, with, with a history that rich, there's literally no way to please everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish the show stayed more like G2. <laughs> oh, man. Um, sadly, like, I can't... Um, so I can't like add too much um in terms of uh the the broader pony conversation uh because like it kind of like phased out for me a bit after um the first question girls movie dropped. Not to say anything of its quality, I just life happened. But people fall uh, off. It's all good. Yeah. Yeah, it's valid. But it's just like hilarious because like um when it comes to just talking about like the broader no, just things in like a broader franchise scope. Um, this is exactly uh, just me and my friends just like debating about Power Rangers, which is owned by the same people now. So, <laughs> small world. Oh, don't get me started. That's gonna be a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Love it, love it. Yeah, it's 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 funny to see like. All of the, I just, again, that's what motivated me to even really give the show like a serious shake was um, because, first of all, I just remember seeing My Little Pony like everywhere going, I'm like, I don't get it. You know, I don't get why everybody's, I mean, which is, I know what every, every bronies start is seeing people, you know, literally hot to trot over My Little Pony going, I don't get it. And then they watch it and they go, okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just, just seeing that whole discourse about, Twilight becoming a princess was like I'm like okay if people are this mad I have to see why they're so mad. <laughs> I was and, like y'all wilding. <laughs> and that's what got me into going okay I got to backtrack let me go all the way to the beginning and work my way to, up to up to this point and I did and I'm like okay okay yeah I get it now I get why people are are, are so passionate about this it's so different from what i'd known of my little pony growing up that i'm like okay you know what yeah i'm I'm down let me see where this goes okay. and i was actually okay with the whole you know princess twilight thing i i guess i was just because it's like if it if they really made her op they would have made her you know if she was a real mary sue she would have been too perfect no flaws right right mm-hmm. but um but when they went with her direction and going she's awkward she doesn't know how to her wings work. She's trying to control the magic that she suddenly is suddenly like now more powerful, but she can't control it, kind of thing. So I'm like, again, that's what I like is that there, ma- magic is a means of a solution, but it isn't the solution mm. in, in the show. Anything can go wrong with it if you don't if you aren't careful. Right. So it's like magic isn't the solve all. It's just a means of trying to get to the solution. Um. So that's why I guess with with her being an alicorn it didn't bother me because i'm like okay well i see she can't really control it yet and she's trying to step into this position she suddenly found herself in and didn't ask for (laughs) (laughs) so um so yeah i don't know i i i think it was just like it was just so interesting to see how huge that uh how huge that discussion was in the fandom and then just seeing the show only grow from there and get more darker and more serious in a lot of ways. Yeah, like um, there are people that got into the show 
after Twilight became an aliquot and a surprise when they see that she didn't have wings in the beginning of the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's how far Because technically she had wings longer than she didn't have wings. Yeah, that, way that longer. puts into perspective. Yeah, puts oh, into perspective, huh? Because, <laughs> like, it, it was like, like, the show has like 220, 220 episodes, I think. And mm-hmm. she got her wings in episode, like, 60-something. Yeah. Adam's oh, like, I, I gotta go home and, and watch the rest of my little <laughs> That's why it's like when people get mad over, over something, I'm like, dude, it wasn't even that long. Look how long the show went for after that. <laughs> yeah, I'll be on the camp that, that like, is it's still kind of weird to me, but only because they, like, I kind of kept on waiting for them to be like, okay, like, maybe there's some lore behind why, like, anyone can ascend to alicornism and like it's still highly implied that Luna and Celestia were born that way and then we it just never really like the closest we get is Flurry Heart which kind of confirms bo- that you can do both but that's not like I don't know it, ne- it never really answered the question it posed so I'm still sitting here waiting like I hope the next like the sequel thing the next gen kind of touches on it and like maybe talk about the first horse that ascended to, to be an alicorn or something to like show like how it's possible with like magic uh, minichlorians or something like that but yeah I, I yeah. get both both sides <laughs> but if you um if you're going into the show already knowing that it's happening then you don't have as much of a beef of with it words than not knowing if that makes sense so yeah I honestly I just, wasn't I just... bothered by it since I was always in it for the character I just, I just, I'm still waiting for Cadence's backstory to get some screen time. Oh, I know yeah, the show's over, the but I'm still waiting for it. Uh, she got one in the books, and uh, it was so compelling. And I'm the only person who has ever read that book ever, I think, in the history of fandom. So I'm the only one who cares about her and Prismia, and her backstory is a Pegasus. And uh, I, I can't. I'll go about this all day. I just I'll be on this all day. Go ahead, Mitty. Midi Uniclorians. Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, that hurt. <laughs> Is that a Star Wars thing? Yeah, we're, yes, we're doing it's supposed to be Wars. what makes what makes Anakin so special. <laughs> that sounds like a disease. It's space magic. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess where we can go from here is um. Because uh, we're kind of talking about, you know, the evolution of storytelling and how stories have changed. Uh, and we got this kind of this just new wave of, of stories and characters being shown in media. What are your opinions on the evolution of the animation industry, this new wave of diverse storytelling? Uh, I think overall, I'm loving that we're getting a wider range of stories being told by a wider range of people. I do think that we have a lot more to we have a lot more steps to take. What I what I hope doesn't happen is that we look at the the increased diversity and go, oh well, that's it. Equality achieved. Because that, exactly. that, that tends to be what happens yeah. a lot when it comes yeah. to when it comes to uh to issues of equality and and you know stuff like that. So that's what yeah. I'm hoping. Cause like my philosophy is that we can always be better than we are and I don't mm-hmm. think we should ever settle for what we have and we should always, you know, keep in mind our strengths while 
trying to learn from whatever weaknesses that we may have. Like personally, um, one thing that I'm not too fond of in a lot of animations these days is the is the focus on lore because like and that's the thing but whenever i bring this up people will automatically assume that i don't think lore is important or that i don't think lore has any place in in media even though i i never say that but i feel as though lore doesn't make a good story a good story makes good lore i always use Mm -hmm. like avatar the last airbender as an example since that's a show that people love trying to emulate and it's that Mm-hmm. we don't like a lot of the stuff that we learn about the lore is on a need-to-know basis mm-hmm. what i mean by that is we don't learn about uh who killed katara's mother until she goes looking for him we don't learn about metal bending until Toph invents it we don't mm-hmm. know about how zuko got his scar until that becomes a relevant plot point the show doesn't try to and it, ironically the Dragon Prince, who has a lot of the, who has uh, who's made by one of the people that made Avatar, falls into mm-hmm. this trap of front loading the entire story with lore, and it's like my thing of it is, I want to get, I want to care about the characters and their situations first before you dump all of this exposition onto me because you haven't given me a reason to care about your about your world or your characters or your story yet. Why are you dumping all of this on me so soon? right mm-hmm. now um it's actually it's actually very funny um that we end up getting to this point because one of my one of my earliest videos wink wink was actually discussing this whole point in regards as to whether or not um a story-driven show is automatically better because it has lore but uh i'm focusing on the representation a topic first and i want to say that yes i think that we are definitely in a great spot now. We can always get better, as you said. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, just a lot of the opportunities and a lot of perspectives I'm seeing now are stuff that I wish um, that I could have grown up with when I was a kid. Just because it's just such a breath of fresh air. You don't really see a lot of stuff that has like um, this, this level of energy to just like tell a certain story or know bring to light a certain concept um Mm -hmm. without it really being um having to be gimped in the process for the sake of making the tv you know see what you will about the universe but uh and again feel free to correct me if i'm wrong with this but what i know is that rebecca basically sacrificed everything in order to make ruby and sapphire kiss and going Mm -hmm. forward that's going to be, like, super important because I heard from, like, other Zoomings I've been in, if not for that, other networks wouldn't have been willing to take the gamble with, like, other overtly LGBT characters. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, yeah, again, just, like, very, very important. And, of course, we can always have, like, more walks of life and more types of people be represented. But if this is what we're entering towards, I think it's important. As regards to lore, however, um, I remember being, I remember being a bit like burnt out on stuff actually because when like in 2010s when I get into Adventure Time, I was expecting, you know, like I wasn't 
okay, so overall, I did like Adventure Time, but when I was in high school, when it started getting a bit too deep into lore, it just, like, I didn't dislike it, but I had to walk off because it felt like I was watching a different show. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. when Steven Universe debuted around the same time, um, it was like, okay, well, now I have an idea as to what sort of story I'm getting myself into, but I still like that we had, like, a season or two that was just, you know, just, like, bit homey, more slice of light before we went fully deep into the space opera stuff, and mm-hmm. that's, I think it's always been interesting because I've seen a lot of people where it's, like, they kind of sleep on a show if it has, like, a more, like, comedic or, like, down-to-earth introduction, but they don't show that interest until it gets more lore-based. And I think for some shows, uh, me being Star Versus, I really wasn't into that because it's, like, sometimes it's, like, hey, you know, the dynamic that I'm being presented here with just, uh, being, like, a, a kickback show that has, like, a little bit light action but still, like, fun, you know, I like that. You don't, I like what you have. You don't need to add more to compensate to be like everyone else. But that's what I felt happened with shows like that. So it's why I'm a bit more hesitant when I see shows try to do that now. I think they're overall better with it. You know, mm-hmm. better with sticking the landing. But I'm of the I'm of the field where it's like I have no problem if a show in general just wants to be comedic or just like more episodic instead of having a narrative because it's just something that doesn't fit every show you know yeah mm-hmm. it's definitely a good thing and that's what something i like to to let people know is that like the whole thing about like episodic and serialization a lot of people think that serialization is better just because like oh having a story with an overarching narrative is more compelling and it's like it's not an absolute it's a, it's it depends on what kind of story you're telling Right. And mm-hmm. there, and you can tell when a, when a show kind of has a bit of an identity crisis because you can definitely do both. There are shows that have done both. But like using Steven Universe as an example, there are a lot of times where episodes are ordered in a way to where something that requires urgent action is interrupted by like uh, them just messing around on the beach. And it's like, it, it it makes it feel like the episodes are aired out of order when they're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that that uh, as we get as we go on and as we observe how other shows have done it, we'll just get better at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. What do you think, Carousel? What What are your some of your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I mostly just uh, second everything that they had said already. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, when you put it so well, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just I I grew up on uh, episodic uh, television, so uh, I definitely love the storytelling that we're getting now in terms of representation, and uh, and of course we can do better as they like as they mentioned, but you know it, it's really affirming to see that. But there is definitely, like, a bit of seriousness that sticks in my craw. Because I'm just like, I just want to watch. I just want to watch My Little Ponytails, man. I don't need any of this Starlight Michigas in my in my television. I just, I just want to go back to, like, the, the good old days where they're 
trading expensive concert tickets for a box of pizza. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like I completely agree. Um, you know, there's just a place for both. You know, like not everything has to be like a high stakes adventure. Sometimes, you know, you, you just want your character just like chilling out, and sometimes the whole show doesn't even have to be, you know, just like deep lore, or whatever. You know, it's definitely more appreciative when um, you have a show and, like, within, like, the confines of its own story, you know, it builds up to uh, something huge with doesn't lose its soul. I think Big City Greens and Credit to Creek at the moment are two really good examples of something that really did that in spades. But, you know, like, again, somebody just want to shut your brain off and just watch some silly pictures on your TV screen. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love Craig of the Creek. <laughs> it's such a good show. It's so soft. <laughs> and, and I guess that, that does segue into a, a, a similar question, or at least relevant question. Uh, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, where do you think the uh, industry is succeeding in representation, and where do you think it really needs to improve? Um. Well... I think it's succeeding in just showing that these other identities exists, exist <laughs> and allowing them to be more prominent in their roles. Uh, where it needs to improve is how those stories are executed. And that requires allowing people from these communities to tell their own stories. Right. Or mm-hmm. at the very least, for if you're tell if you're uh telling a story from a perspective that isn't yours, at least try to learn from people that do have that perspective. Like I always think to uh Tunerific Tariq's video on how to black where it was basically like talking about uh writing black characters in uh cartoons. And one thing that he cites is an old sitcom from the seventies, uh Good Times. It was about a black family living in the projects and the, the writing staff was predominantly white, but they took the time to ask, uh, they, they ran the script by the actors and the actors would go like, yeah, this sounds like something that we would say or like, oh no, like that, that wouldn't happen. They, they basically like, it was like a culture check. And mm-hmm. if we can have that level of care in the 70s, there's no excuse not to have that level of care in 2021 and beyond. And mm-hmm. uh, as far as uh, LGBT representation is is uh, is concerned, uh, there are a lot of people in the LGBT community that can dissect these issues a lot more eloquently than I can. But, you know, from what I've learned from them, there is an issue with uh, just having lgbt people exist like they you know uh you know you don't have and not every lgbt story has to be about struggle or you know the mm-hmm. the the difficulties of dating as an lgbt person right. and mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense to me as a black person because as a black person i don't want all of the stories about people that look like me to be about like abuse that's a that's a big thing that a big issue that a lot of black audiences have with tyler perry's works because mm-hmm. they're they're so they're so interchangeable because it, it's to the point where people had to wonder if he had a fetish for 
watching Black Woman suffer because so many of the yeah. storylines in Tyler Perry movies are like about a black woman being in an abusive relationship or mm. struggling to raise her child in a low income household or mm-hmm. so- something to that effect and it's to the point where there was one mo- there was one movie called For Colored Girls that was basically just that <laughs> and Oh, it, no, it, I remember that movie. It got to the point where even the people that liked his work in the beginning were like, dog, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, uh, as, as as an amateur Tyler Perry historian, which is I'm, uh, another thing I'm deeply ashamed of because I've seen all those movies. We all are. Uh, yeah, uh, just, yeah, yeah. And then on top of that, it kind of makes me think of like in general like when a creator makes something and they continue to make that kind of creation over and over again and be be, and especially if they're like a popular creator so their material gets all this coverage and then it becomes stigmatized in a way where it just uh, suddenly everybody that's what they associate with that material and then they think it creates the wrong image of things and stuff like that and and then it becomes harmful right and so you have to it's almost like you have mm-hmm. to tread a line of going like you have to make sure that you're telling these stories and you're telling them properly and you don't make that the you know something that you repeat over and over you if it's a story that has to be shared absolutely but don't make that for every story because then it becomes something like oh is it really this common oh is this this commonplace and then it's just like yeah it then it becomes harmful yeah you're absolutely right because again, using Tyler Perry as an example, poor you Tyler know, Perry. <laughs> he was a he was one you know he's one of the most prominent black directors, and you know, you you fall you fall into these traps when you only have a handful of people within that community telling stories and not broadening your horizons and and spotlighting other creators from those communities. That's how we. So mm-hmm. like, it's not just about diversity in the sense of having some black creators but also having a variety of black creators because there's a there's a variety of different black stories a variety of different lgbt stories asian stories Mm -hmm. uh, latinx stories etc 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 because you know uh more often than not no demographic is a monolith and by allowing more people of 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 these groups to tell their stories we get a wider variety and you get and it paints a broader picture of the culture mm-hmm. exactly um to to personally um throw my two cents in um yeah like i definitely think um of course like while we are in a good spot we can improve um when I, I think about like some of the stuff that's been discussed, um, one thing that immediately comes to mind, um, well, I already talked about Craig the Creek, so might as well, um, Kipo uh, on Netflix if anyone's seen it. Mm, so, yeah. um, of course, um, I'm I'm probably gonna butcher the last name, uh, Rad uh, Secret. Again, like anyone who uh, can 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 uh, correct me, please do. Um, but obviously, he isn't black. But um, the three main characters, uh, Kipo, Benson, Wolf, and no, <laughs> you can count Dave too. No, they're all black. And just like, just through watching this, I felt, you know, even if, um, even if like the, the race like didn't play 
like a huge part of the story. You know, I still felt like, you know, the aspects of their personality, how these characters were portrayed, you know, and written, it was very realistic. And I think that's also mm-hmm. something that needs to be remembered too, because like, um, I think when people hear representation, uh, they they feel like the the whole story, the whole show has to be about like an an experience, like the black experience. Mm-hmm. When in reality, while that's good, you know, um, you know, it doesn't really have to be like that. Just write them well. Um, we could have mm-hmm. like all these diverse characters and just like fantasy and sci-fi and like all these different types of stories, all these different genres. And I definitely mm-hmm. do agree with the sentiment where um, if you're not of that specific walk of life, you know, it's very important to talk to people who are in order to get their perspective. So hopefully the industry can eventually sideline uh, as to um, having these voices speak for themselves. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. um, like for me, like, even though black representation is something that I... what. Well, um, how do I put it? Like, it can be better across the board, but um, there is still a slant uh in the favor of black male characters. So ideally, um, if we had like uh more like black women and you no know, black uh and be uh AFAB people, you know, like in positions mm-hmm. of power who are able to tell their stories, you know, that would bring um, you know, a yeah. much more just you know just having more interesting stories, just something we desperately need, and especially now. Mm-hmm. And have your black girls be voiced by someone other than Cree Summer. Isn't Cree Summer? I love, I love, I love Cree Summer. Cree Summer is one of my favorite voice actresses. But even she, but even she is like, y'all. I voice all the black girls. Y'all can be better. It's like Cree. I, love I will girl. take yeah. my check in the mail. If, I don't do Cree voice acting, but it. if you need one that badly, if even Cree is saying it, then you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially even so, like looking at the uh, like the voice acting, if you if you look at the voice acting community and it's hard, it's hard to be a voice actor and especially to be a successful voice actor. Like uh, you have your veterans, but they built themselves up to that point. And otherwise, it's really hard to try and compete with the veteran voice actors Um when yeah, again, like Cree has been doing it for forever. But even even she's saying, you know, I can't. I can't be the only person. There's tons of voices that still have yet to be to be able to share their stories and their experiences and convey it through their performances. So it's like, yeah, it's it's like I I'd love to see more of that. I know there's tons out there. So it's like I think that's also why it's like really great to have like again the internet showing us the importance of of that variety and and highlighting voices that have not had the the platform in like mainstream Hollywood or anything to do that. Um, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And never hesitate to like, if you, if you come across a person of color or LGBT person whose work you love in voice acting or whatever, or whatever medium, don't be afraid to shout them out on social media or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. for example, like I'm a big fan of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure and mm-hmm. uh, it was, I, I watch both the Japanese version and the English dub, right? And as the English double part four was uh, was reaching like the third act, there's a character that, that comes in named Hayato. And me being into the show, I, I'm always looking forward to seeing, okay, who's, who's going to voice this character? And I hear that Hayato, who's a boy, is going to be voiced by Laura Stahl. 
And I was like, huh, I've never, I've never heard of her. And I looked her up and I was like, oh, she's a black voice actress? Okay, word, word. <laughs> and then, and then, like, Hayato is introduced and I'm seeing his story for the first time and everything. And just hearing Laura's performance. And there was one episode towards the end where Hayato is, like, really emotional and everything. And I hear Laura's performance and I was like, Yo, this is crazy. Like, I was in love with that scene. I, like, I went on Twitter and I was like, yo, just watch the latest episode. Uh, shout out to Laura Stahl for her performance here. It was great. Like, don't be afraid to shout out uh, minority artists that you love. Mm-hmm. Let them know that their work is appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, you can go first. You can go first. <laughs> Uh, no, it's fine. You can. Uh... I was just gonna. I was gonna change the subject. So. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. The the only thing I would say is that I can. I completely agree. Um. Because I had actually gone to Sailor Moon. I think like maybe two, two and a half years ago. Um. Though so I have like no huge attachment to like any ever like voice, uh, voice cast or whatever. But um, when I was watching, and then um. I gotten to see Sailor Jupiter and I was like really digging her voice and then I figured out she's a black woman and you know like in and of herself like she has like this great story about how she's been inspired by that character for like her whole life and she's like a big mental health advocate on top of that so I was just like really super engaged and not with the character but like her as a person so when I was finally able to meet her at a convention I think like a maybe like two two and a half years ago it was like super great so yeah like absolutely just like telling like any of these people just that you appreciate them something that's like really important mm-hmm. uh so um what i was actually going to bring up uh was uh speaking of um engaging with as a fandom with uh the works that we uh it's sort of related to this point um i think a thing that I think creators of uh, these shows that we watch can do better is uh, honestly managing the show in the way that keeps the fandom from taking it away from uh, black uh, the black characters that they create and the uh, and the fandom that they occupy. Uh, I, I bring this up because I uh, as we were talking, I remembered the Owl House uh, mm-hmm. actually has very mm-hmm. specific representation for me as uh okay i'm black i'm latina i'm bisexual and i'm a weirdo (laughs) with adhd and so luce is a very as a character that's very special to me she's one that i would have loved to grow up with and she's a character that uh like i'm so happy that we currently have the atmosphere and the culture that we can have a character like her that so specifically represents me and i see that the show uh, teases Amity as a character a lot, which is fine. She's a good character, but they've done it in such a way that raises my alarm bells because they've set up Amity as this as this mysterious side character, and s- magically, the fandom seems to focus on the Blights and the twins and Amity and Amity and her romance with Luce mm-hmm. instead of Luce and her romance with Amity, pivoting Amity as the character because she's a useless lesbian. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I love I love her as lesbian representation, but I feel as though um, 
something that I would love to like have the Owl House staff be aware of in season two and going forward in their interactions with the, the growing Owl House fandom is that they have a responsibility to keep the story focused on loose and they have a responsibility to and I feel like like they have at least partial responsibility in making sure that the fandom does not overshadow who is supposed to be their main character with characters like mm-hmm. Ida and Amity who are white and you know just right and it just feels like something that's really important as well like you know if if you are a white creator and you're telling a story with them with a lead of color then you have the responsibility not only to learn about the stuff that you're talking about, but to make sure that that message sinks in. Because how many times have we seen shows where they just sort of let the fandom run rampant and they get bad reputations and they do terrible and they do terrible things within fandom to their fans of color? I, mm. I don't think I need to remind anyone here about the uh, slave owner Applejack situation. Okay. Uh, so. Oof. So, yeah, just I think as we go forward, because there's so much more Internet engagement than we used to have, that is going to unfortunately be a minefield that like creators, I think, have to go into prepared to deal with and manage because we can't have that separation of creator and fandom as much as we like used to. So if you're going to have a show and you're going to have a leader of color, I think you need to make sure to keep the focus on them in such a way that you can't sideline a character like Luz for Amity. Yeah, because like we all know the the POC best friend trope where they only exist yeah. to help out their white best friend, and it's like yeah. you know that and that's a that's a trope that applies to like side characters, like the sidekick. Like don't don't have a show with a with a POC lead character only for them to just end up being the sidekick of their own show. Like if that's not a, mm-hmm. that's right. not, that's going to be like an ultimate. That's L. problematic. And I'm just glad that, you know, it's like some that was like talked about because it's like when I was seeing uh, some of the stuff go down, you know, because like there was a point in time where both like Owl House and Amphibia uh, like were you know, like airing episodes. You no, know, I I lean more and more into yeah. Amphibia for for the record, but it definitely felt like, um, you know, especially on social media, you know, Twitter. Um, it definitely felt like there was a different vibe as to like how the show, uh, was being talked about like after, um, Lumity was a thing. Like even though I didn't really like feel that much from the show. When I saw the post on my timeline, it was like it was really only focusing on that aspect, and it kind of. Mm-hmm. I remember something like rubbed me, rubbed me a certain way on like the amphibious subreddit where it's like, uh, they were kind of glad that um there wasn't so much a focus on like LGBT shipping because like why would be a good element. Um, a lot of people, after seeing what's happened with the Owl House, were kind of nervous about that taking hold of the show. And it's like, it's definitely a complicated issue. And I definitely applaud um, just how the character of you know, Amity was made, because it was someone who I just thought was just to be a, a typical bully character, have so much more depth. But it really does need to no, just like bring it back in, not just like focus on like the overall story, but the fact that this is still Luce's story. Yeah, I actually saw some of the same stuff with uh, Amphibia and Sasha's popularity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I look at both of those shows and I'm like, hmm, gee, I wonder I wonder what it is about these two uh, these two bully characters that uh, suddenly 
the fandom really wants to see way more of them and less of the leads. I I don't know what it could be. Points to my own brown skin. I don't I don't know what it could be, but and I mean, yes, they are interesting characters, and I like them. But after a certain point, especially existing in fandom as a person of color, you have to wonder, like, gee, I wonder why these characters are suddenly getting sidelined in their own show. <sighs> like, again, it's it's such a thing that happens, and you would think it wouldn't be a thing in the My Little Pony fandom, and then you remember all the G5 stuff, and then it's like, oh, yeah, yeah that too. You I think know? a part of it is it's also like these characters aren't even human. Yeah, I think a part of it is also people's uh, fascination with villain redemptions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like a, a lot of people will will look at the at like the he- the the optimistic hero of the story as like the boring one because because they're so straightforward and like the the more co- the more complicated rival is inherently more interesting just because they're complicated and mm-hmm. you you see it all the time especially in anime and shows that are influenced by anime like. A lot of people think Goku is a boring character in Dragon Ball Z and prefer Vegeta. I mean, mm-hmm. I prefer Vegeta not because I think Goku was boring, but because I, I just think Vegeta's cool. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. in, in Naruto, people, a lot of people like Sasuke. I know, but a lot of people like Sasuke. And a lot of people think that Naruto was boring because he's the optimistic hero. And that kind of that kind of mindset bleeds into Western animation, especially as we get older, because... A lot of people that grew up on anime as it was coming to the West are now adults and are now making their own shows. And a lot of the, a lot of the behaviors that were not behaviors, but rather tropes. a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the tropes that they watched from the stories that they enjoyed. You know, we we we, we pick up a lot more from the media that we consume that we that we want to admit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And I definitely have something. I, I definitely wonder what it is about villain redemption arcs that are so coded white because they kind of feel very they they feel very white coded i don't see i don't see or recall many uh modern villain redemption arcs where the protagonist wasn't white or white coded or had a white voice actor if you want to talk about starlight because like uh not i'm not i'm not you know i'm not here to define anyone's race headcanons for the for the main six but uh starlight's definitely a white girl and you fight me on this one i'm right like she lived in a gated community she's caucasian please but yeah just it is something that i w- i'm interested in because i don't remember the same uh the same uh um fixation on bismuth yeah like was i was the actually only major about to bring black her up. redemption arc Ooh. oh you? yeah i was actually about to bring her up because you know obviously you know these are all complex questions but in an attempt to make the answer a little bit more visible or, or help us come to an answer in some way i do think that a lot of it is just unaddressed prejudice like we because it's become so normalized that we don't question it we don't question why black coded characters are uh routinely characterized as more aggressive and unjustifiably angry we don't question why uh hispanic women are characterized as uh easy to get mad even when even for even when it's for a justifiable reason it it's so ingrained into our culture and the the hard part about it is that because it's normalized 
when someone brings up like hey maybe we should question this a lot of people will get defensive about it because for some reason a lot of people think that because they enjoyed something that has uh racial undertones then that must mean that they're racist and that's not the case because you know i feel like what makes you prejudiced is how you respond to the revelation yeah you know it's like you know hey there are there are some squeaky undertones in how steven universe characterizes his black coded characters mm-hmm. and if it, it depends on how you respond to that like if you respond to that with like no it possibly couldn't be that you're the racist one for seeing <laughs> for seeing for seeing these things you know even though there was a whole amethyst design that was called chola bodysuit which is a derogatory term for hispanic people but okay i guess i'm the one seeing it yeah i i, I um so it wasn't even the focus of the it wasn't even the focus of the shot it was just like a picture of amethyst other designs and the bodysuit one was off to the corner and i just watched it and i was like wait a minute wait wait what <laughs> you know like we gotta be willing to ask ourselves these questions about the things that we consume and, and like and acknowledging it doesn't make you a bad person because you didn't know it until now so right don't yeah. don't get so don't get so scared man <laughs> it's fine we all learn we all grow um just to just to bring uh, some to the table um just to circle it back a little bit um but i found the just the idea that the the villain redemption arc is white code no no that that idea in itself is interesting i hadn't really considered that before um when it comes to like the outhouse versus amphibia in this regard um personally um what i liked about season one and i I guess like a lot of like season two that we've seen thus far was that we didn't see sasha often but Mm -hmm. when she did make an appearance it still left an impact so you're like still like thinking oh so i wonder um no what how could this like story converge eventually but when marcy was introduced no uh no another uh, poc lead you know like her story directly converged with Anne's instead so you actually saw a completely different dynamic you know and it was just inherently more supportive you know so mm-hmm. i was just engaged with no no again like i'm bad with words but it's like i didn't feel like um sasha being introduced like took away anything from Anne. it's more like um, the actions that she did um, not only left an impact with um, the characters and how they're still like trying to process things, but you know with the viewers as well. But meanwhile, with Emily getting more development, I could actually, I, I can absolutely see um, why someone would think that Elusive be getting sidelined because you no, know, they all are sharing the same area. They're all in the same location. They all go to the same school. You know, they talk to the same people, etc. So I definitely think again, just like balancing things out, um, would would help. But you are also right in the fact that I don't really, I don't really know any like, you no know, characters of color that like even like have the the quote unquote like villain thing um let alone being redeemed like i mean i guess you could uh 
say Jasper, no, for the sake of it, because no black VA, you know, if you want to bring the code argument, you know, that's fine. But they, they admittedly did kind of drop the ball for her in the future. And I think they had even said, uh, originally for the movie, uh, there was like a whole like subplot that ended up getting cut. So, you know, again, we could all be better with this in terms of just like how we think of these characters, what lens we see them in, and just like how they interact with everyone around and what impact that leaves. Yeah. Right. It's it definitely something that we can afford to at least have a conversation about because maybe the conclusion is that it's not problematic, but we, we can at least entertain the discussion and, and think about it and and weigh weigh the pros and cons and stuff like that at least be willing to to talk about it right because nothing is immune from criticism you said it bro you said it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i guess uh i guess to kind of bring it full circle because now that we've kind of discussed you know direction things are going now for the industry and where we could go uh what stories do you enjoy sharing or do you think you would like to share as part of your legacy if not for like this if, if it, you had the opportunity to even share it as part of like the uh as part of the animation industry or just entertainment industry in general like what stories that we would like to see or what stories that we would like to actually make ourselves uh, either which whichever one is, I feel like because I know we're all kind of we're all storytellers here, so it's like I guess it's um seeing what kind of stories you'd like to share or you would like to see being shared depending on what ideas you already might have. <laughs> I guess. Well, for for me, um, two ideas I'd like to see more of are um one I I want to see more I want to see more stories about black nerds. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I I love me some Static Shock. Uh, it, it just got added to HBO Max, and uh, yeah. I just watched an episode with him uh, with him in Africa, and he's like, "Man, when I'm <laughs> yeah. here, I don't feel like a black kid. I'm just a kid. Is this what it's like for you all the time, Richie?" And like that, like they were saying stuff like that in 2003, <laughs> dog. Yeah. Like that, and like I want, like I, I want to see more Static black Shock. nerds. Uh, 2015 movie, dope. Uh, yeah, black yes. nerd movie. Oh yeah, that, that was a good too. one. Uh, yeah, there's more black nerd representation, and particularly black female nerd representation. I can't yeah. leave my sisters out because yes. y'all need it more than we do. For real, <laughs> as a black female nerd myself, like you know, all all it. black nerds, like black male nerds, female nerds, trans nerds, non-binary nerds, yeah. all, all the black nerds. Let's let's get more of them. But also, I would also like to see black families where like definitely want to see more families with present parents mm -hmm. where both parents are present but also uh showing that if a black family has separated parents that doesn't mean that the family can't still be happy and one prominent example is uh the sequel to that so raven raven's home like raven's a mom and she's raising twins and she married one of her, she married her boyfriend from the show, Devon, but they're divorced. However, they don't hate each other. Mm -hmm. They still talk. They're still friends. Uh, and the only reason why they don't have shared custody is because Devon travels a lot. 
That's the only reason why he doesn't have shared custody. And they have a healthy relationship with their dad. And he, he gets to be a part of their life, even though their parents are separated. So I do think that it's good not just for black kids, but for all kids that, you know, just because your parents are, are separated doesn't mean it's the end of the world. It's definitely mm-hmm. something that I wish I had when I was a kid because, you know, my parents are separated. Yeah. And, you know, and things ended up like fine. Like I was extremely lucky with uh, how how little it affected my stability growing up. And I, I wish that for people who didn't have that stability, I wish that there was there was more media, especially with black families, showing that even though your parents are separated, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, you can still have a happy family unit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, what about y'all? I guess for me, um, well, honestly, um, a lot of your ideas are stuff that I completely agree with. Um, but for me, well, so I have like a specific story um, and like I'm slowly chipping away at it. Um, it's not like solely focused on like the black experience, but I, I really more wanted to focus on like the setting because like obviously it's me being in New York like I find like um urban landscapes just like inherently cool and just like want to like portray that like accurately animation but the big mm-hmm. thing about you know being an urban environment for me in New York is that you know it's kind of natural to just be exposed to a lot of different cultures you know it's just like night and day from like me growing up in Atlanta where it kind of felt like I was one of the few students of color in my class to going to uh like my first real class up here where the class was mostly full of uh, students of color you, know, you really get like exposed to people so that's why um if there's one thing i want to portray is that like just like characters of like multiple different cultures uh just like portrayed mm-hmm. well but then just you no know, just like vibing you know because like even if like my story would be like ideally take like having a lot of like y2k like future influences in there you know it's still still got that like urban grit to it because like i still like i know there was like a lot of like stuff uh like maybe like the the 2000s some obscure stuff to re-betray that like urban city vibe but there's not really a lot of stuff since that really betrays that. And, you know, I, I just mm. gotta represent Brooklyn first and foremost. So mm. I would definitely love to, like, just, like, add that to the, the sphere, so to speak. So, anyway, uh, Carousel, where, uh, were you thinking about your answer? <laughs> I, I was thinking about my answer. Uh, did you finish when I dropped? Yeah, exactly like, when, you, when yeah, you Okay, dropped. so... Goody. Uh, good timing, I guess. Well, not good, but you know. Uh, okay, so uh, for me, uh, speaking as a uh, Afro-Latinx uh, woman, uh, I would really like to see more Latina characters in more varying roles. Like, I love Luz, as I've said, and I would love to see more characters like her. I would love to write characters like her. Um when, when I eventually transition away from MLP, or transition Honey away from MLP, my character Honey Girls, I'm definitely going to focus more on her as uh, a character of color, because she is, except Equestria Girls has pastel colors, but I always imagined uh, Princess Cadence as an Afro-Latina 
So Honey is mixed that and uh, White with uh, Big Mac. So when I eventually take uh, Honey into her own story, I'll definitely be focusing on her as a mixed race, uh, still Afro-Latina, like probably uh, focusing more on Cadence's side of the family for obvious reasons. Uh, Also, I would just like to see more uh, diversity within genres that don't have it yet. Like, I would love to see more um, diversity in sci-fi, diversity in fantasy, and mm-hmm. uh, more acceptance mm-hmm. of diversity in those genres. Uh, I'm a huge fan of sci-fi as a fan of Doctor Who that has been a fan of Doctor Who for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, recently, there has been a couple of companions mm-hmm. of color, but there hasn't been, like, a, a Latin uh uh, companion yet and I often hear people on the internet saying well of course there's not really a big population of that in the UK and I'm like so they're aliens my guy just go somewhere else like you know you're telling me you're telling me the 13th doctor can't take a trip to New York and meet an Afro-Latin young woman with an interest in exploring the stars I'm not even saying me I don't like the 13th doctor but still I would still go because that would be an amazing opportunity for someone who doesn't get to travel a lot, getting to travel the stars and see herself in the stars. So yeah, you know, they have a time machine and a space machine. They don't need to stay. I realize it's a UK show, but that does not limit the representation you can have. Also, you know, still, like, it's also a television show. You can represent other, you know, you can represent other groups besides, you know, white, you know, and more recently, black companions. I mean, yes, more, please. There's only been, like, three in total in, like, 50-plus years of the show. Please do more. But, like, you know, just branch out. Like, widen your horizons. More, please. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I would love to see I would love to see that. And uh, just having lived in New York my whole life, uh, basically... Um, what was previously stated, I would love to see more, uh, more urban stories focused on. I mean, obviously there are, but you know, I just I love that environment. So it's something that I would tell, even if there are stories that exist like that. Uh, I mean, there are two shows, both on Nickelodeon, that explore a, a, Lat- a Latina character going to a performing arts high school. But as a Latina that went to a performing arts high school, I'll tell the third. Like that 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 was a really unique experience for me growing up. Just be like doing all those things and experiencing all those things. The amount of stories that I have from that time are just you, I can't even quantify them. They're that they're that rich and they're like for better or worse that school was very diverse and it showed me a lot of things and I would love to show that on screen. And I would just love to tell the stories of the kinds of people that I grew up around. Like, and just living as a New York Puerto Rican, like, that's a pretty niche, like, sort of living environment. And, uh, I, I mean, I lived among, like, the Jewish community as well, because I, I lived in Washington Heights. I would love to tell the mm. story of a mixed, a mixed Jewish and Hispanic household, because those communities are actually very mixed where... I, where I grew up, and so if if uh, if I was to tell a story about New York, I would probably, even though I myself am not Jewish, I grew up in, like, a very mixed Hispanic Jewish community, and I would love to tell a story of a girl like me, only with 
like the heritage of both of these things that I grew up very near and dear to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I did ballet for a long time in a Jewish school with a lot of uh, Hispanic uh, classmates as well as myself. So it's just something that I've always wanted to tell that specific intersection of. Yeah. Uh, I think that. Oh, Sam! I think that's all the questions. <laughs> I mean, we it was a good it was a good discussion. Um, so I think we're good. Um, oh yeah, so absolutely. This is a of, really really solid discussion. I'm I'm really happy with it. <laughs> uh, as am I. I'm I'm really appreciative of the platform that you guys have given us to you know talk about our experiences, our stories, and what we'd like to see from animation. You know, I uh, really enjoyed my time here. I'm glad. Yeah, thanks for yeah. thanks for coming yeah. on. It's like yeah, good people or something. <laughs> <laughs> never doubted it, ma'am. Never doubted it. Okay, so where well, um so where can people find you guys if they want to stalk you on the internet? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, my channel name is Sketchy the Changeling. Uh, Tumblr is uh also sketchy dash the dash changeling uh my twitter is at sketchy bug uh for for the grown-ups uh at sketchy bug underscore ad be 18 or be gone <laughs> uh and that, i think yeah I think, I think that's all my socials oh now i'm afraid but okay <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for me, uh, this is going to be a bit of a doozy. So, um, on YouTube, uh, you can find me as Cash Cash, K-A-S-H-C-A-S-H. I am on Twitter um, at K-A-S-H underscore C-A-S-H. My art Twitter and Instagram um, are Cashed Art, K-A-S-H-E-D Art. And uh, I think the the rest of my socials are probably my YouTube header. So if you see it, you'll probably find everything else. I just think of like Krusty Krab, but like Cash Cash. (laughs) (laughs) Cash Cash. Oh boy, that that stutter that just happened on my Discord sound. Yeah, I heard a Uh, little bit, but... (laughs) Yeah, it was. It, it's that internet. It's it's saying wrap up this fucking podcast <laughs> this instant, or you're not gonna finish. Uh, so I think I'll just listen to that internet and uh, give you my socials now. Um, you can basically find me on Twitter, DeviantArt, and uh, Discord and uh, TikTok as Carousel Unique. No spaces, just Carousel Unique. Uh, peep the fact that I still use My Little Pony for all my socials despite G4 being over. Uh, and um, you can also find me on <laughs> Tumblr as beach-city-mystery-girl at tumblr.com although I barely use it because people bother me there but it's fine. Uh, if you want to see more of my artwork you can check out honeycrisp-tales on Tumblr or just my Twitter because I post everything there anyway. And uh if you want to give me money, I'm sure you can find those links somewhere. <laughs> Chill. Uh, um, yeah, and then we're animation communication. Um, in case you've never 
like listen to a podcast we're almost at 50 so um we got some more if you're new i guess so we're on all the podcast places we usually upload on wednesdays except this month has been um shaky but generally we upload <laughs> wednesdays uh 6 a.m eastern on podcast networks for your commute that you're not doing because of covid and then yeah. um, YouTube, uh, 4 p.m. Eastern, in case you like YouTube better. It's just a loop, so it's not. don't expect anything fancy. And uh, subscribe to our main channel. Um, you know, I always make fun of myself because everyone's just like, oh, I want pony stuff. Like, who are you? I remember watching KP when I was, like, 12. And I'm like, no, watch me now, please. So... <laughs> Like, comment, subscribe. Uh, that's 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 it. That's all I want to say. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much again for all of you for joining us today. This was I'm I'm really happy with the discussion we had, and you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Oh, don't oh absolutely, mind. You know. Thank you. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah, y'all got my y'all got my contacts. If y'all ever need me to come back on again, uh, hit your boy up. Uh, I don't bite. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, sounds yeah, good. But, yeah, thanks again. Thanks, thanks, thanks again. I'm like, I was, I was like in the back of my head. I was just like, are we gonna get through this podcast without mentoring Tyler Perry? But you know, we did. So. <laughs> 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 Look, it's the thing we signed up for. <laughs> we kind of have to. It's in the black people contract. <laughs> yeah, like I, I was, I was not about to come on to a podcast uh, highlighting black creators and not shave Tyler Perry. <laughs> He's right, getting a little um, bit of history revisionism too. So it's good to know he was still shit at making movies. <laughs> Alright, bye everyone. See you next week or in the past, whatever you decide yeah. to do. <laughs> bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Animation Communication on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast provider. We are really hoping this show makes a difference in how people view animation and media, as well as giving and providing advice for people all over the world who like or want to join the animation or media industry. If you liked what you heard, please remember to subscribe and rate those five stars, as well as tell your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our main YouTube channel, I Love Kim Possible A Lot, and turn those notifications on. My name is Scribbler, and you have been listening to Animation Communication.